Well, a warm welcome to you today from my house to, to your house and a happy belated New Year too. Well, last week we had that great message from Dave firing us up for the new year that we've stepped into. And next week we're going to be launching into our new well-being series. Well, this week we're coming into a week of prayer with fasting in preparation for that season of well-being. What I want to do today is to focus on that word prayer, thinking about how can you and I make the most of this coming week? Now, I wonder what you think about when you hear the word prayer. Certainly when I was a little boy uh, and I was dragged to church pretty much every week, whether I wanted to go or not, and was certainly more, more concerned for spending time with my friends and talking about football than prayer. I think the, the impression that I was left with was that prayer was primarily for old people, which of course when I was nine meant anyone over 25, that it meant being quiet, speaking in a whiny voice, uh, and also trying to make sure that you didn't disturb people around you, most of whom it seemed to me were probably asleep. And certainly, particularly when for us, they adopted the uh, what we affectionately called the posture of what we called the shampoo position as they were praying. But actually, prayer has become something of increasing interest to many people in our country at the moment. Since the beginning of the pandemic, I understand that there's been a 50% rise in the number of Google searches related to the whole subject of prayer. And then last year in, in 2020, there was a survey done in the UK where, let me just check my stats, but where over a quarter of those who were surveyed said that they prayed at least once a month, many of them more than that. And of those who said they prayed, 45% said they prayed because they believe in God. 35% said they prayed because they believe that prayer makes a difference. And 24% said they prayed because they saw it as a source of personal comfort and to ease feelings of loneliness. Well, if I'd been taking part in that survey today, I would have actually been right on the most positive end with those people too. Because I'm no longer like I was as a small boy. I have come to love prayer. I actually think it's one of the most wonderful things that we can do as people. And particularly for me, it's been one of the greatest sources of well-being for me. Now, today we're going to have a look at a man called Elijah, who clearly knew something about prayer. Uh, in the book of James, we read this about him. He says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human, just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't, not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. So today we're going to look at this man who clearly knew something about prayer. Now, Elijah will appear in our well-being series, but today we're going to focus on three particular events that showed the different, three different ways in which he prayed. And each one of these, you, you and I, we can use them this week as we pray. Can, you can use them any week and you can pray this way whether you've never prayed or whether you've been praying for decades. Now, some of you may have been wondering why, why I would choose to film today's talk from the kitchen. Well, it's simply because this room represents for me, the, the represents best for me, the first way in which Elijah prayed. There are actually three different rooms we're going to visit today, each one representing a different way that Elijah prayed. 
And I'm in this room here first because this is the room where I most meet with God. Now you can meet with God in many ways anywhere on your own and with other people. But this is my number one favorite place. You know, if you were to record me first thing in the morning, most days you'd find me sat here at this table I'm next to with a freshly brewed cup of tea, reading my Bible and praying. Because here's the space where for me I can get alone, I can be with God and I can encounter him. And I believe that's the first thing that God wants for you this week, that we're going to be praying for you to experience greater well-being this week. Now, to do that, just to kind of give you a flavour of what's coming up, I want to just share one person's story of what happened to them. So the last time we did this was back in September last year. And one of, one of our, our Kingsgate members sent me an account of what happened to them. Let me just read this to you just to whet your appetite. She says, I was praying on Wednesday when I had a picture of a rusty, mouldy standpipe with a tap on top of it. God was saying, you don't need to drink from the stagnant water anymore, doing things my own way, in my own strength. At that moment, I felt an amazing shift and the revelation that God is the source of all I need. Everything comes from him. I now have this amazing sense of bubbling waters within me which are now cascading to the very depths of my heart and soul that have been desperate for his touch. I have never known such a sense of love and joy. It is transformative. Praise God, more, Lord, more. And I believe that more is what God wants for you this week too. Now, you, you, you may, may not count yourself a Christian right now, but I want to encourage you, come on the journey with us and just see what might happen. And for those of you who are Christ followers like me, I believe we, if we need anything in this season, the thing we need most is fresh encounters with God. So of course, the question then is how? How do we position ourselves this week to be able to have times of encounter with God? And this is where we're going to first learn from Elijah. Because the first thing he would teach us is we need to be intentional about creating time and space to get close enough to be able to hear his voice and sense his presence. Because, you know, most of the time, I think if we really want to encounter God, the goal is to get still enough to be able to hear him. We need to quieten those internal and external voices that speak so loud it often drowns out what God's saying. Uh, the, the French philosopher Blaise Pascal once famously said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. You take Elijah, for example. The voices around him and within him had got so powerful that it was like they drowned out the voice of God. Until we come to 1 Kings 19, where we see he gets away on his, on his, on his own to be with God. And it's there that he has his most powerful, dramatic, life-changing encounter with God. Goes on a 40-day hike, climbs up a mountain, rests in a cave... And then the next day he discovered, or you might say rediscovered, the voice of God often comes not so much as a megaphone, but as it says, as a quiet whisper. And I love this. We read, it says, when Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. And then the quiet voice spoke. I love it. Elijah stepped out from that cave onto the side of the mountain and there he experienced the presence and the voice of God in such a way that it restored his life and gave him a fresh sense of purpose. 
That's what I believe God wants for you this week. He wants to speak into the depth of your being and speak in a way that you don't necessarily hear him with your ears, but you feel it in your your heart with a warmth, with love to give you peace and a sense of direction. Now, you don't have to go on a 40-day hike like Elijah did or climb a mountain, but you do need to be intentional about setting aside time to pray, both on your own and with others. That's why I want to encourage you this week, watch the daily devotionals. There'll be a great way to to help you enter into the presence of God, to still those internal and external voices. Sign up for the the 24-7 prayer slots that are on the website if you've not done so already and see them as an invitation to spend time with God. And then why not fast? (laughs) Now, that's not primarily to make you feel hungry and uncomfortable, although the truth is you may experience some of that. No, we fast because it's the most effective way we have, basically of saying to God, we're giving up something good because we want something better. We're giving up something good in food because we want to create the time and the space to spend time alone with God. And because often that's the place where we meet him the best. Now, I appreciate some of you may never have fasted before. So why not download a copy of our prayer shield you'll find on the website where there's a whole section called Fasting is Feasting. So that's our first way to pray this week, to be those who pray for greater well-being for ourselves. The second way we see Elijah praying, it's not primarily about him encountering God as much about him praying for those who were close to him. But for him to do that, he climbed the stairs to his upper room where we're going to see how we can pray for greater well-being for those close to us too. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'll see you there. So welcome to my study. Probably like many of you, this is where I've, I've spent an inordinate amount of time in the last nine months doing my work, my study, my, my Bible reading, etc. But it's also a place where I pray. Occasionally, I'll receive news of someone particularly within the church, someone close to me, who's got a specific well-being need. And this is a place where I will pray for them. Now, I wonder if you know anyone close to you, someone who you could put a name on and say they right now, they are in need of greater well-being. Because you see, when once we've received for ourselves, God wants to pour into us. But then he wants to make you and I a channel of blessing out to other people to help uh, increase their sense of well-being. And that's not only in practical deeds. Yes, we need to do that. But it's also through prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I sometimes find and probably particularly in the season we're in right now, that sometimes you look at situations and you think, how do I pray? How do I pray for that person's need? Well, again, we, we can go back to Elijah and see how he prayed. So, and we see particularly he's in a situation where there's a great need for well-being for someone close to him. He's actually moved into a time of famine and he's ended up uh, lodging with a widow where by prayer, God has supernaturally provided for the whole family, the widow, her son, and for Elijah. But then a while later, kind of disaster strikes and the the widow's son actually dies. Talk about a well-being crisis. And the widow actually turns to Elijah and asks for help. Now, I guess Elijah could have said, I'm just a lodger here. This is nothing to do with me. I've, I've done my bit 
um, just, just leave it alone for now. Or it's too big. It's too big an issue. This has never happened before in my life. But he doesn't. And actually what, what we read is that I'm going to read this to you from uh, 1 Kings 17 verse 19. He says, give me your son. Elijah replied, he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. Now, I want you to see this as a picture of prayer. That what he does first is he picks up the child and holds him close. It's a picture of engaging in love with someone close. You can imagine when you're praying that you are literally picking or metaphorically, you're picking people up in your arms and you're bringing them, you're not just holding them, but you're bringing them before the presence of the one who is able to make a difference, who wants to bring peace, who wants to guide into the presence of God. And as it were, you're laying them down before him. You know, it's, this is a, a wonderful picture of prayer. And particularly the Bible says when, when people become a Christian, the Bible says they become a priest and that means simply that you and I, we get to stand before God on behalf of people. You might imagine when you're praying, as well as carrying them, that you've got one hand, as it were, on the person that's close to you, who you love, and you, you're bringing their needs. But the other hand is reaching out to touch the throne of God. And as you do that, there is a flow of heavenly life from God to that need, because you are praying. Now look, look what happened when Elijah did that. We, we read this. He says, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Wow. Resurrection happened. Who knows what will happen when you start praying? Greater well-being for those who are close to you. I mean, talk about an increase in well-being, definitely for the son, but also, of course, for his mother too, having a son restored to him. Now I believe God wants to, God is in the business of answering our prayers. And uh, maybe you think, well, I don't know how to pray. How, how, what do I say when I pray for these issues? Well, you, you'll see that we've made available to you prayer notes this week that you can use. But also we're going to be gathering in the morning and the evening uh, to pray together. One of the great things about praying together is you learn from other people. You know, I'm actually still praying some things I heard others pray back in September. But also I'd encourage you, why not ask God to give you some unprecedented things to pray for, for other people? Because when Elijah prayed for this young man to be resurrected, it had never happened before in the Bible. It's the first example of resurrection. Why don't you pray, God, give me some unprecedented prayer answers this week. Now, just for a couple of minutes, I'm going to hand over to my friend, David Robertson, and he's going to share you, share with you some stories of what he experienced at the end of last year as he was praying for people close to him for greater well-being. Thanks, Simon. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share a little of my testimony of prayer uh, in this last season. Uh, in the end of November, I was praying for others as I do every day. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to be praying for in December that every day would be a day with a breakthrough for someone. And so um, I, I wrote that down. Every day a breakthrough. And this red writing is answers to prayer that have come during the season. Uh, 
so I mean, amazing to be able to pray breakthrough for my family and friends, neighbours, uh, those of you in the church, other people that just see the needs arise and just want to pray for them. Uh, so, for example, I've been praying and seen answers to prayer for jobs. Both my daughter and my daughter-in-law have had uh, uh, new and better jobs offered to them uh, for the new year. Uh, my daughter had to move house and uh, towards the end of November. Uh, it had been cancelled twice and it was getting quite stressful for them as a whole family, living out of boxes and so on. So we prayed, Heather and I, that there would be a breakthrough and that they would be able to move. And that, that happened. We're so grateful that in this season they are in their new house, this is, which is amazing. We also were praying uh, health matters. You know, we know that uh, some of you have been suffering ill health in this season. So we were praying, Lord, healing uh, on you that you would get well, absolutely. But we're also praying for those of you who are uh, trekking back and forward from the hospital, you know, kind of seeking uh, clarity on, you know, ailments that you have. We were praying that every person who would go to hospital would have clarity on what is going on in their lives. And so I'd be really pleased to see some of that come to fruition. And we keep praying for you if, if that's the case. We pray too for uh, those of you, uh, one of my sons too, who has their own business. And we know this has been a really tough time for um, one owner businesses. And so we were praying uh, for breakthrough for him and for others. And I'm so pleased to hear testimonies of people who has uh, got contracts come in that they didn't really expect, but have come in and have been a lifeline in this season. And so we continue to pray uh, during this season. Can I encourage you to be a breakthrough prayer, to pray for your family, your friends, those in your household, that there would be breakthrough in their well-being in this season in all the different areas and to claim for yourself and for them the promise of Micah chapter 2 verse 13 which is that the Lord of the breakthrough goes ahead of you. So as we pray we are uh, breaking through barriers and finding that God has already been there. So enjoy breakthrough prayer in this season. Well welcome to my third room and this is the place where you're most likely to find me praying in the way that we, the next way that we see Elijah praying, and that's praying for greater well-being for people beyond ourselves. You know, if you think of your local community or city or even our nation, I'm sure you would agree that this is a time when maybe more than ever we want to see an increase, we need to see an increase in well-being. You know, we, we've, we're coming through the pandemic, we, we've got the, the hope of a rollout of a vaccine, but we know there are still many significant challenges lying ahead of us. And it would be easy, wouldn't it, to think there is nothing we can do about it. Well, the good news today is we can take encouragement again from Elijah. Let, let me read to you again how he prayed for his nation in a time of great crisis. We read, as we read earlier in James chapter five, where he says, Elijah prayed earnestly, that it would not rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Now that, that is amazing. When you step back to think about it, here is a man who has prayed and a national crisis has been changed completely. Now, the question then is how? How did Elijah pray in that moment? And we actually, this is one of the, the places where we can see him praying and we can, we can see it in some detail. Let, let me read it to you from 1 Kings chapter 19. We read this. It says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed. Notice the posture. He prayed with his face between his knees. So he's kneeling down. And some commentators would say he's, he's actually in a birthing position. 
Then he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Now notice his posture. There's something very intense about the way in which Elijah's praying here. But there's also, there's, there's a sense of focus and it's almost like he feels as though he's entering into some kind of a battle with the whole of his being. Now, the other thing to notice as well is that he's persistent. Elijah prays until he sees an answer to his prayer. Now, I can't pretend that I fully understand what's going on here. But I think the key thing for, for us to know is there are times when God will call us to pray like this. Actually, there's an intensity about our prayers. There's a, there's a call and it does. It almost feels like you're going into some kind of a battle with the whole of your being. And it's not that you necessarily have to be kneeling down, although that can help. You know, when I pray in this room here, uh, which I will if, if it's raining outside, then sometimes I will kneel down here. But also I like to go outside and walk and pray. But the key here is that we, we see there is a time to, to pray. As some people said, to, to push, P-U-S-H, to pray until something happens. Now, you might say, I'm not ready for this. I've never prayed like that before. How do you pray? And it's not actually, not necessarily about you on your own. Sometimes it's lots of individuals praying together where what we see is there's a, a kind of a power that's in that as we pray united together as we're going to do this coming week. Now, let, let me give you a, a modern day example. Some of you may be old enough, maybe as old as me, to remember the late 1980s when it was like change swept across this continent and change that had seemed impossible to many of us. The one I remember most vividly was in 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down and East and West Germany were reunited. Now, what some of you may not know is behind that amazing event in history was an incredible prayer movement. Uh, seven years earlier in the city of Leipzig, uh, uh, an East German pastor moved by the plight of his people. They're in a time of great poverty and under a repressive political communist regime. And he starts calling a weekly prayer meeting to pray effectively for well-being for his nation. Now, initially in this huge church building, uh, there was just 12 of them praying, but they kept praying. For seven years, they prayed every single week. Now, by 1989, that group of 12 had grown to, to the church building being full, 7,000 gathering every week. And by October, there were tens of thousands outside. By October the 9th, it's reckoned there was something like 300,000 people gathered there and they went on a prayer walk, if you will, or a walk for peace. There's an intensity about it. Now, that happens then every Monday until four weeks later, to the day, almost to the hour, the Berlin Wall then comes down. Now you can't say with certainty X plus Y equals Z, but many historians and many journalists have actually said those prayer marches were the tipping point for the bringing down of the communist regime in East Germany. That's amazing. And I love what one kind of an unguarded comment from one communist leader said. He said, we were ready for everything and anything but we were not prepared for candles and for prayer. 
I love that. They were not prepared for candles and for prayer. Prayer can change a nation. Do you know, in the same way that these nameless thousands of East Germans prayed, some persistently for many years, the same way that Elijah prayed, you and I can pray in this coming week. And we can believe that God can move, not just in our lives individually, but actually can bring change to our nation. I mean, imagine what might God do as, as the, the many of us who are connecting into this service, as we engage this week with prayer and fasting. Imagine the impact that that could have. Now, as I bring this, this message to a close, I'd like to, to finish by uh, praying for you, praying for us. And I'm going to lead us in a short prayer. And really, this is a prayer for everybody. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you can pray this prayer as your way of saying, Jesus, come into my life. But actually for all of us, it's a way of praying, Jesus, walk with me during this week. So the prayer will be on the screen. Why don't you pray it with me as I lead us? Dear Lord Jesus, I want to get closer to you this week. This day, I open the door of my heart to you and I invite you to come close. Fill me with your presence and your power. Increase my own sense of well-being so that I may become a channel of blessing to others too. In your name, Amen. Well, I want to thank you for sharing with us in this message today. And I pray God may bless you, especially this week.